10 and verse 2. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Go ahead and put my first slide up there, please, Elijah. And if you'll bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we humbly beg, we implore, we plead that you send your spirit today to help us understand the words that you have for us. Open our ears so that we can hear. Receive the message with gladness. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you will show our next slide, please. Satan on the screen, hopefully you can read it. Satan knows it is his time. He has but little time left now in which to work, and he will work with tremendous power to ensnare the people of God upon their weak points of character. Let me repeat that. He will work with tremendous power to ensnare the people of God upon their weak points of character. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you know those weak points of character yourself, don't you? And you know Satan knows exactly what they are, and he just tweaks and picks and pulls at those, right? So it's not an accident that the issues that you're dealing with, you're dealing with those issues. It's not just an accident. Satan is realizing he's out of time. Therefore, it is necessary to guard the thoughts, to fence the soul about with the injunctions of God's word, and to be very careful in every thought, word, and action not to be betrayed into sin. If this sounds familiar, we actually had this... uh, this is from uh, Review and Herald, May 17, 1887. I assume this is from Mrs. White. I didn't look it up uh, in, in uh, the absence of time, but it sounds like something she would say, and it is very accurate, whether she said it or not. It's very accurate. Um, so, you know, we are living in a very precarious time in Earth's history, And I think the last one, two, three, at least the last four times that I can remember somebody got up at this pulpit, they said that very thing. It's evident 
to us in the world that we live in right now, that we are living on the fingernail, the razor blade edge of the end of time. So, is it important what, what we do and who we are? Is that important? Probably never as, as important today as it was five, ten years ago. <clears throat> if you put the next slide up, please. The quote that I'm getting ready to put up on the screen appears in Act 2, Scene 2, of the play Romeo and Juliet. And this is spoken by Juliet while she's standing on her balcony. Romeo has left. He went, he went out into the garden, and she, uh, even though it shows her looking at him and talking to him, in, in, the, in the real scene, she doesn't know he's there. And she is speaking these words to herself. But Romeo is close enough where he can hear. If Next slide. She says, "'Tis but thy name that is my enemy. Thou art thyself, though not a Montague. What's Montague? It is nor hand, nor foot, nor arm, nor face. Oh, be some other name belonging to a man. What's in a name? She asks. That which we call a rose, by any other word, would smell as sweet. I took a little license with my title today. If you didn't see the title earlier, the title of the sermon is A Rose by Any Other Name. And if you're like me, when you read this the first time, or if you haven't ever read it before, but you are hearing the words, what in the world is she talking about? What is Shakespeare trying to tell us here in this play? What is in a name? Well, the pundits over time have come to the realization that basically what she means is what matters is what something really is, not what we call it. The things that, that we think are important doesn't really matter given the name that we call them. Now, you could call a rose a skunk, right? But if you smell that rose, even if it was called a skunk, it would still smell beautiful. That's the point that she's trying to get across. And so the question for you today is, what does the name that you carry with you I'm not talking about Al, I'm not talking about Gil, I'm not talking about Tamara or Dell or whoever you, I'm not talking about that name, I'm talking about the name that is here underneath it all. What name do you carry? That doesn't matter what we actually call you. Because I think it's time to get serious. I think it's time for us to get serious. Uh, a show of hands, everybody in here who thinks Jesus is going to come soon. Look around. I want you to look around 
and see who thinks what. We think Jesus is coming soon. Well, the signs tell us that he's coming soon. He has told us in his word what to look for. In Daniel chapter 8, he gets very specific, and he talks uh, about the 2,300 days. And what happens at the end of those 2,300 days? Yeah, the sanctuary is cleansed. Good. We've had sermons here from the front about that. What a beautiful message, because... The, the sanctuary gives us so many answers. In fact, it gives us the answer to what we have to think about and what we have to worry about. I was very impressed with, uh, impressed with all the sermons that we've had coming from the pulpit because there's a thread that weaves through them. And, uh, but especially last week, you know, the, the sermon last week was about the wide and the narrow gate. It was about the, uh, Pastor talked about the ten virgins. You remember, those ten virgins, all of them were looking for the bridegroom to come. They, it, it wasn't like they didn't believe in the bridegroom or what was going to occur. They were all looking for the bridegroom to come. But you know what? Only five of them were able to go into that, that wedding. And when they knocked on the door, the bridegroom what did he tell them? So, what do we call ourselves? We call ourselves Christians, disciples. We call ourselves followers of Jesus, right? You know, when, when people have had interactions with Jesus, in, in the history of the world, like for instance, uh, Simon Peter in Luke chapter 5, the disciples have been out fishing all night, and they come back to shore, and Jesus is there, and they're exhausted. First of all, they've been up all night. Secondly, they've been working hard, and they have nothing to show for it. And Jesus looks out them and he says, take your nets and put them on the other side. You remember the story of Peter and the guys put the nets on the other side and they pull that net in and it is so heavy they can't even pull it in. They have to bring another boat over. They are swamped with fish. And Peter jumps out of that boat and he runs up and he, he kneels down at the foot of Jesus and he says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. When people interact with Jesus, crazy things occur to them. Um, remember the story Jesus calls Philip. And Philip says, I've got to go, I've got to go tell Nathaniel. And so he goes and tells Nathaniel and they're coming back and, and Jesus says, behold, a man who has no guile. Remember the story? And Nathaniel says, how in the world do you know me? And Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree before. And Nathaniel says to him, you remember what he said? 
No. Nathanael says to him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus told him that he was kneeling under a fig tree, and Nathanael comes to this conclusion that he is the Son of God, the King of Israel. Remember the story, Jesus gets in the boat. They've been ministering to the people all day long. He's exhausted, so he goes and lays in the back of the boat, and the storm comes up. And these seasoned men who spend all their time out on the water, apparently this was one nasty little storm, and the boat's rocking and carrying on. And Jesus is sound asleep, and they go back and wake him up and say, Lord, we perish. Help us. And Jesus gets up and he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And in Mark 4.41, it said, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? When you interact with Jesus, things happen. Crazy things happen. So my question for you today is, are crazy things happening in your life? I'm not up here to judge you. I, uh, spotlight is right on me. And I, and, I, and I want you to understand that, that Jesus paid a price for me, and I'm not worthy of that price. Never will be. But I, I don't have to worry about that because he has covered me with his blood. And when, when God sees me, he sees a penitent sinner. A penitent sinner who he can work with. Scripture is loaded with examples of people who have an inter, had an interaction with Jesus and things were just crazy wild. The woman at the well, uh, Jesus shows up and preaches in the synagogue, and the Jews go, wow, how in the world is this guy uh, so learned? He hasn't even been to school. In fact, later on, after uh, his disciples had to go interact outside of the, the close environment that they were in, people were recognizing that they had just, they had been with Jesus. When you get close to Jesus and he rubs off on you, you cannot help being who you are. That requires us to do something about that. So uh, I think the last time I was up here, which was a long time ago, and I don't know if I expect you to remember everything, but I do expect you to remember that I said this platform allows me to give you homework. <laughs> so I'm going to give you some homework today. Um, my sermon is predicated on John. We're studying John uh, for Pathfinder, Pathfinder Bible Achievement, and John is just absolutely loaded with really good stuff. It'll have a really interesting story, and then Jesus will bring up some crazy wild thing that doesn't appear to even be attached to that. Um, I mean, I've got example after example after example here, and we're not going to go through them, but, but just for example, uh, in chapter 3, uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Remember the story. And right in the middle of chapter 3 of John, one of the most famous Bible texts is written by Jesus himself. 
because Nicodemus is asking all kinds of questions and Jesus is interacting with him and Jesus says to him, hey, you're a master in Israel. You're the guy teaching everybody and you don't even understand this? Nicodemus realized who he was dealing with, what was going on, and the Bible text, John 3.16, comes out of that beautiful interaction with Nicodemus. For God so loved the world. Go ahead, finish it for me. Are you interacting with Jesus where your life is changing? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, is that you? Should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, so I'm not going to go through all the chapters. I've got them listed here. And I was going to bring a little point out about each one of them as we speedily went through it. But I, I would like you to, this is the homework, I would like you to notice John has 20, 21 chapters, 21 of them. Every one of them has got really good stuff in it. But beginning in chapter 13, chapter 13 is the Last Supper, which... The Last Supper is the day before what? Jesus' crucifixion. He's crucified the next day. So between chapter 13 and chapter 18, when he goes to Gethsemane, there are five chapters. Jesus does a lot of talking. He's trying to squeeze a lot of information into these disciples because he knows his time is short. And I want you to, I want you to sit down and read those because the things that he talks about are mind-blowing. They, they make his interaction with Nicodemus look like uh, a, a discourse in, in putting together tinker toys. It, it is the depth with Jesus brings these things out. And, and it's crazy, the, the topics that he talks about, um, within these five uh, uh, chapters. For instance, uh, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if, yeah, if you love one another. Most of the stuff you've heard, you know, you need to read it again. You need to read it in context, recognizing Jesus is going to his death the next day. Is your relationship with the Jesus that we're talking about relevant today? Is it relevant? Are you, are you somebody that when you walk into a room, people go, yeah, that guy's different. That, that girl's different. You know, I, honestly, I, I can't tell you that that's the case, but I want it to be. I want that to be a case. I want the, the, the case to be that when I walk in a room, somebody goes, yeah, that's the guy that talks about Jesus all the time. Because they will know that I've had a relationship with Jesus. That things are different for me. I'm not just standing in line at Walmart buying stuff. I'm here doing what he wants me to do. And Jesus outlines to his disciples in John 
things that he wants them, i.e. us, to do. In fact, in John 17, 20, he says, neither, he talks about in John 17, he's, he's got this beautiful prayer, and uh, he says, this is eternal life. This is life eternal. They may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And then he says in verse 20, he says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which believe on me through their word. Who is that? Who's he referencing there? Yeah, he's talking about us, right? We believe in Jesus because of their word, because of the word that, that God's outlined here in the scripture. We're going to read, we're going to read um, one text and then I'm going to sit. <clears throat> I want you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. This is going to be familiar. It's going to be, hopefully it's going to be scary. Hopefully it won't be scary, but it will be scary. And hopefully it will take us and it will turn us around so that we are, if we are going in the wrong direction, that we will be able to rectify that and give uh, this life to Jesus. One of the things that I hope has come out, and I know Jimmy when he preached the last time, and I know Pastor when he preached last week, uh, talked about spending time in his word. And, and one of the things that I read uh, right there in the first uh, part of this sermon said, it's necessary to guard the thoughts, to fence the soul about with the injunctions of God's word. If we don't have calluses on our knees and we, and we don't have God's word, when we read 25, you can decipher where you're going to be. Chapter 25, verse, beginning in verse 31. 25, 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon that throne of glory, and before him shall be gathered all the nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Verse 34, And then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come ye, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And we're not going to go into the intricacies, but this is a deep text. Before the world had a foundation, God had already planned for this. Verse 35, for I was unhungered, and ye gave me meat, I was thirsty. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, 
and you came unto me. And then shall the righteous answer him, say, Lord, when saw we thee an hunger and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? Verse 40, and the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Is this about works? I mean, God's keeping a tally up there. Uh, we took care of this guy, went and visited him in prison. Gave this guy a drink when he was thirsty. Is that what this is about? No, this isn't about that at all. This is about what's here. This is about our interaction with Jesus. Has that changed us? God's not going to save us because we went out and did a bunch of stuff. But he does say in John and elsewhere, if ye love me, keep my commandments. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, it says, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. You guys know this. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And love him. And what? What's the rest of that text? And keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. That's what we're talking about here. When Jesus looks down at us and says, hey, you come over here because you fed somebody. That's the heart of Jesus. That's not natural, normal for me. That's the heart of Jesus coming out. Have we taken him into our hearts? Is it making a difference in our lives? Is it making a difference in the lives of those people around us? It's time to get serious. And hopefully you're already serious. But I think we need to recommit that's one of these sermons that I've been hearing about, are talking about. Jesus went into the most holy place in, in 1844, and it's now 2022. Can you imagine it takes Jesus that long to go through the list of people who have been born and, and died? I don't know exactly what he's doing there, but my Bible tells me that's what he's doing. That, that means that he's in there pleading for me, for you. He's spending time in there. He, he doesn't go, yeah, and there's Dell. Yeah, he's a good guy. Check. That's not what he's doing. God requires that, that sinners do not go into the next life because sin is abhorrent to him. It cannot exist in his presence. We need to incorporate him into our lives, change us into who we are and who we need to be. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking at the sermon and I'm preparing it, and why in the world did you pick Luke chapter 10, verse 2 as your, as your text? So, you put that next slide up. Therefore he says unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. You know when Jesus said this? 
Any idea? So right before this occurs, he's, he's talked about the things that are going on here at the end of time. And then he, it says he picks 70 disciples in addition to his 12 and commissions them to go out and preach. Luke 10, 1. And then he says this. He's just commissioned them to go. And you can read the rest of the story. He, goes, he talks about, you know, if, if somebody doesn't accept you to shake the dust off their feet and so on. That's, that's the part of that story. But this is the second part of this. After he commissions these 70, he says, The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And he's just commissioned 70 more people to do that. Who's he talking to here? Why is he talking about this? That Jesus made a difference in your life. And if he has, the laborers are few. Here I am, Lord, send me. Let's bow our heads, Father in heaven. You know, the beautiful thing about the fact that we are so incompetent to do your work is that you equip us and enable us. You don't ask us to go and share your word without having um, you leading us, the perfect, spotless, omnipotent, omniscient God who can't, can't have sin in his presence. Thank you for stooping down and loving us so much. Let us understand and recognize you for who you are. As we close this, I, I want to ask, Father, that you would put a burning desire and a burden in our hearts to, to recommit us. And so toward that end, I'm going to ask today, while we're praying here, that if you want to, to recommit your life to Jesus, if you will stand. If you want to recommit your life to him, you've had that relationship with him and it's changed you into who you <coughs> need to become. If it hasn't, and you want that to happen. Father, you see each one standing. I, I've got, I'm not going to look. I don't, it's not my business. This is your business. We're here doing your business today. I want to thank you for putting it into our hearts to want to change, to allow you to work, to let you do the things that you want to do. Thank you for listening to our prayers and for answering them. In the name of of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Our closing psalm number 358. 358. Far and near the fields are teeming.
complain. Lord of harvest, send forth reapers. Lord of thee, we cry. Send them now the sheaves together ere the harvest time pass by. Send them forth with morn's first beaming, send them in the noontide's glare. With 